Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 12 through verse 16. Listen now to the reading of God's holy word. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Let's seek the Lord's blessing on this, his holy word. O gracious God in heaven, we do rejoice and give thanks to you for your word, that it is our only infallible rule for faith and life. And as we come to this passage, we ask that your spirit would apply its truth to our hearts, give us understanding, and uh, that as your word goes forth in the power of the spirit, we do pray that it would find within each of our hearts that rich, fertile soil that brings about great and abundant fruit for your glory. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we carry out our daily lives, and as we listen to the news, as we uh, scroll through social media and see what's going on in the world around us, well, we can easily get discouraged, as there seem to be so many things that just aren't going right or going well. We know that, for example, inflation continues to put pressure on wallets and, and bank accounts, Uh, Of course, we see all around us the moral decay in our society continuing to, uh, in its speedy downward spiral. Uh, There's a sense of political unease and uh, not trusting those in leadership over us. There's conflicts in our relationships, our personal relationships, maybe our bodies afflicted with sickness, and again, just disappointments all around uh, that we experience every day. And of course, oftentimes it may seem that our, even our pursuit of sanctification and, and holiness just moves along at a snail's pace as we face temptations and as we struggle uh, with various sins each and every day. Well, in the midst of all these things, it's easy to get discouraged and to even begin to lose hope. But our faith in God... And because of our understanding of His sovereignty over all things, it should certainly reassure us that He he is the one who works out all things for our good and His glory. Indeed, this solid foundation for our faith ought to give us great hope, even in the midst of all this discouragement around us. The writer to the Hebrews calls this kind of hope the anchor of the soul. You think about what an anchor does when a when a ship is securely anchored. It will still get tossed and and uh, uh, kind of battered by the the uh, storms of the sea, but it will not be moved. Well, this is the security that we have 
with our faith and our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we may endure uh, much with various trials and difficulties in our lives, but we will not be moved if our trust and our hope is in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. But of course we're well aware that there are many in the world today, many among our neighbors, among our friends, even in our families, who do not have this sure and certain hope, who do not have this anchor. And so when the storms of life come, they have no security, they have no anchor to hold them in place. What hope, if any, can we offer to them, to these ones who are really hopeless? Well, in our passage this morning, Jesus gives us an example to challenge us to boldly and compassionately minister to those who are without God and who are without hope in the world. And if there ever was anyone without hope, it was the leper. The term leprosy, we know in the Bible, uh, likely covers a a variety of of skin diseases. Some uh, may be serious and some uh, very uh, not not so serious. And the most serious of these uh, skin diseases was the appearance of sores uh, on the skin. And these sores would be very painful and this infection would continue to spread where it would actually end up killing the nerves, thus causing the infected area to just simply grow numb. But this was only the beginning. You see, having no feeling in these affected areas, uh, they were open to rot and decay, causing a great stench. And so they would have to kind of keep them wrapped up. And if your hand, for example, was leprous and you, you touched a burning hot kettle, well, you may not realize that your hand was being burned until you would actually smell the burning flesh. It was a most dreadful condition. The infected person would literally be in the process of decaying even though they were still very much alive. The fact that during the Bible, the biblical times, there was no known cure for this dreadful disease certainly made the situation of that person uh, infected with leprosy all the more hopeless. But added to this was the fact that not only did leprosy have physical consequences, but it also had moral and even social consequences as well. In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, there are two whole chapters that are devoted to this affliction, which came to be seen as really kind of the ultimate curse for sin, aside, of course, actual death, which was the ultimate curse of sin. Well, as we mentioned, leprosy was almost a living death. Well, the life of a leper then was greatly regulated and uh, the leprous person became a social outcast. And so we have, for example, some of the conditions placed upon the leper in Leviticus 13, verses 45 and 46. Now the leper, on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, And he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. The leper 
was seen as physically, morally, and socially unclean. And even though some lepers would gather together uh, with other lepers in these kind of leper colonies, uh, they were really isolated from the rest of society, cast out from the presence of their families, of their friends, and even from the presence of God as they were not allowed to enter into the tabernacle and then later, of course, the temple. And of course, the ultimate humiliation uh, was having to shave their heads and have their, their clothes torn and then shouting, unclean, unclean, every time someone approached them. So no one wanted to come near them. And certainly no one wanted to touch them for fear of catching the disease. Even many of their loved ones would shun them and forsake them. Now this is likely the type of life that this man here in Luke 5 would have led because Luke notes here that he was full of leprosy, indicating that it was really at an advanced stage and perhaps covered much of his body. And so indeed, death was slowly consuming his body and there really was no hope for him until until he began hearing the stories of this Jesus of Nazareth, a teacher and miracle worker who was going about the region doing great and amazing things. And you can imagine how excited this man must have been when he heard that Jesus was now coming to the town near where he lived outside the camp. So excited was he that when Jesus actually approached and he saw Jesus... He threw all Levitical requirements aside by not keeping the appropriate distance and he came close to Jesus. He falls on his face and he begged Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The great crowds that usually followed Jesus, we can imagine, would have scattered in horror as this leper approached Jesus in this bold and dramatic fashion. But Jesus doesn't flee. And Jesus doesn't rebuke the man. He doesn't rebuke the man because though this leprous man came to Jesus boldly, he also comes with great humility. And this humility is evidenced by his action of falling down on his face before Jesus. Now, such an action was the common response when someone lesser would come into the presence of someone greater. And so, uh, you know, uh, just an average citizen, if they uh, came across the the royalty and the king, uh, they would bow down as a way to show their reverence. But throughout Scripture, we also see that it was a very common response for when sinful man comes face to face with a most holy God. And so by his actions, this leper was declaring that he was unclean, that he was unworthy, and that he was in need of mercy and hope. But not only does the man come to Jesus with humility, he also comes with great faith. And again, there's no question in the man's mind that Jesus is able to heal him. Look at what he says. He declares, you can make me clean. He knew Jesus could heal him. From all that that he had heard about Jesus, he knew and believed that Jesus 
could heal him. The man couldn't heal himself. The doctors of the time couldn't heal him. The priests were unable to do anything to heal him. He knew that only God could heal him. And he believed that the power of God was with Jesus to heal him and make him clean. And then finally we note that this man not only comes with humility and faith, but he also comes without presumption. He doesn't demand that Jesus heal him. He doesn't say, okay, heal me. He doesn't claim any right to be healed. He doesn't even make a case to show that he is deserving of this healing. You can imagine he could put together a whole case. Well, I'm, you know, my family's dependent upon me and I haven't been able to support them because I have this affliction. You know, I, I need to be healed. No, he humbly acknowledges. He makes no demands upon Jesus. He simply says, Lord, if you are willing, He knows Jesus can do it. But he pleads that Jesus might be willing. And so in here, the man acknowledges that the choice is not his at all. He can't make Jesus heal him. And he knows that Jesus isn't even obligated to heal him. He knows that any healing he receives will be a most gracious and merciful gift according to the good pleasure of Jesus' will. He knows Jesus, again, is able to heal. And so is pleased that Jesus might surely be willing. This poor, wretched man, ravished by this dreadful disease, again, had no hope at all. And so he seizes this one opportunity, again, by boldly violating the laws regulating leprosy, and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus, and he cries out for mercy even though he knows he doesn't deserve it. And what a stark contrast to those who promote so-called faith healing today, where they actually demand and put demands upon God that God would respond at their calling, at their bidding, to bring about healing. And what a stark contrast to those who say that salvation is based upon works, Indeed, that God should save us, not uh, that He should save us because of what we have done, because of all the good things that we're doing. This man had no good thing to do. He had nothing to offer. He acknowledges his unworthiness. And it's a stark contrast to those who espouse the fallacy that salvation is based on our choosing God rather than His choosing us according to the good pleasure of His most holy and perfect will. Again, He didn't make those demands upon Jesus, but He pleaded that Jesus might be willing. Friends, the Lord desires a broken and a contrite heart. He desires humble seekers who acknowledge their unworthiness as undeserving sinners and who boldly come to Him in faith seeking His grace and mercy for forgiveness. How does God respond to such? How does Jesus respond to this man who is full of leprosy? Is Jesus willing to heal and cleanse this man from this affliction of 
living death. Indeed, He is. In verse 13, Jesus gives great comfort to this man by simply saying, I am willing. It's hard for us to imagine how sweet-sounding these words must have been to this man who had been a suffering we can imagine for a long time. Once having no hope at all. But now with these simple words, he's filled with hope to overflowing. Again, remember, he was an outcast. He was rejected by his family, by his friends, by all of society. And it wasn't just that no one was able to heal him, as we know that was true. No one was able But no one was even willing to help him in any way. Yet Jesus was both able and graciously willing to heal and cleanse this man. A great blessing. But why why was Jesus so willing to help him? Because this is exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to help the helpless. And to give hope to the hopeless. Earlier in Luke 4, uh, in the synagogue in, in Nazareth, Jesus declared His purpose and mission by quoting from Isaiah 61, verse 1. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. This man was poor and needy. And Jesus was willing to bring him good news. This man was broken hearted and Jesus was willing to bind him up and to restore him. This man was held captive to this disease and Jesus was willing to free him. Beloved of God, what a great blessing indeed. But this isn't all that the Savior did for this man. Not only was Jesus willing to help him, but He did so with great compassion. And we see Jesus' great compassion in that He actually stretched out His hand and touched this man who was full of leprosy. And this would be unbelievable and and shocking. And we can imagine and hear uh, the audible gasp of those who were uh, standing at a distance from Jesus and this leper and those in the crowd. As Jesus reached out and and actually touched this leprous man. Because no one, no one touches a leper. (coughs) The crowd must have thought that Jesus was out of his mind for doing such a thing. And indeed, if the crowd was stunned by Jesus' actions, well, how much more so this man, who probably hadn't been touched by someone else in years. He was used to people trying to get as far away from him as, as possible. He was used to uh, children likely as running, screaming from him. He was probably made fun of and cursed because people believed that God had cursed him for some great sin in his life. But this wasn't the case at all. As now, the very Son of God compassionately reached out to him and touched him when no one else would. Again, why would Jesus do this? 
Wasn't he worried about getting leprosy himself? Wasn't he uh, worried that by touching this man, he would then be, uh, become ceremonially unclean and that he would then uh, be considered ceremonially unclean himself? And we know that Jesus, because he's done this on other occasions, he could have just spoken a word. And this man would have been healed. So why did he risk so much by reaching out and touching him? Again, the answer is because this is what Jesus came to do. The prophet Isaiah says of the Lord's suffering servant in Isaiah 53 verse 4, Surely has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And here we see Jesus in a very literal way taking up this man's grief and infirmity and carrying away the sorrow that had plagued him for so long. Jesus came to heal the sick. He came to touch the untouchable. He came to love the unlovely. He came to, those, to minister to those that no one else dared. He came to give hope to the hopeless. But this isn't all. We also see demonstrated here the amazing power of Jesus. Because the touch of Jesus wasn't only full of compassion... It was also full of God's amazing healing power. As Jesus Jesus said to the man, be cleansed. And then we read, and immediately the leprosy left him. Immediately. Right at the very moment when the touch of Jesus' hand laid upon the man and the word of power was spoken, the man was instantly healed. There was no delay, no period of recovery, no take two aspirins and call me in the morning. But instantly, the man was healed. Instantly, his flesh not only stopped rotting, but was restored as if the man had no, never had a sore or a blemish. He was healed instantly by the power of Jesus. But there was more to this word and touch of power than just physical healing. Because the man wasn't only healed physically, but more importantly, he was cleansed. Even as Jesus tells him, be cleansed. Right? He doesn't say be healed, but be cleansed. And friends, that's even more significant than the physical healing. Because not only was the, the, the suffering, the physical affliction and suffering was removed, but so too the moral and the social suffering was now removed. The man was clean and was declared so by Jesus who is God's anointed high priest. No longer did the man have to be humiliated by wearing torn clothes and and shouting unclean unclean every time someone approached him when they were walking by. He was now free to go wherever he wanted to go and, and to mix and mingle with the people whenever he pleased. And not only this, but now that he was clean, he would now once again be able to go to the temple And join with the faithful in the worship of God. Something again that he hadn't done for a very long time. It's no overstatement to say that this this man's entire life was turned around 
and completely changed by the power of God in a moment, in an instant, with one willing touch. After his healing, <clears throat> Jesus orders the man in verse 14 to tell no one, but then he also says, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them just as Moses commanded. Now there are two things that we want to note about this. First, Jesus charges the man to tell no one. And the, likely, the reason for this command was very likely so that the people wouldn't prematurely uh, take him by force and try to make him a political king and messiah. That was the expectation. And there was already this growing fervor that people wanted to take Jesus because of his display of power, because of his authority that he exerted when he spoke and when he taught. That this might be the messiah. And they, again, they were looking for a political leader. Well, the time was not right for that. And so this charge, but this charge to tell no one wasn't indefinite. He told Jesus not to tell anyone, but then he then tells him to go and to do something. And he tells them to do it as a testimony or as a witness to what had just happened. And so we see here, ultimately, the righteousness of Jesus on display. The desire of Jesus to fully and completely fulfill the law of God. As he tells the man to go and show himself to the priests and give the offering for cleansing that Moses commanded. And according to Leviticus 14, that would be two clean birds he would have to take as an offering. One of those birds would be killed and the other would be dipped in the blood of the first and then after the leper that had been cleansed, that was sprinkled seven times with the blood and declared clean by the priest, well then this second blood-stained bird would be set free. Well, this ceremony was a picture of the cleansing of sin by the sprinkling by the sprinkled blood of another. It was a picture of the removal of sin far away from the individual, reminding us of the of the, the Day of the Atonement and the two goats, the, uh, the one that was offered for, for the sacrifice and the scapegoat. It was a very similar picture here, except here it's birds. It's a picture ultimately of what Jesus would accomplish for sinners. The cleansing of sin by His shed blood and the removal of that sin as far as the east is from the west from us. And so Jesus here wanted this man to do what God had commanded in the law as a witness to the priests and to the people. But as a witness to what? Well, as a witness to the fact that the Messiah had indeed come. And see, this, this healing could have only been done by the power of God and no one would be able to deny that fact. And so the testimony was that the power of God was surely with this man Jesus in a great and mighty way. The power of God was with him because he was the Messiah, because he was the very Son of God. Well, despite the charge to tell no one, of course, news about Jesus and this great miracle spread even further than it had before even reaching Jerusalem. 
Mark mentions in the, his gospel account that it was the leper himself who spread the word against the command of Jesus. Now, though this his uh, disobedience here is inexcusable, we can understand his excitement was a great challenge to contain. And of course the result was that many more people began to follow after Jesus, to hear His preaching, and to be healed by Him. And of course, this would be uh, physically taxing on Jesus, reminding us that He was not only fully God, but He was also fully man. And so we see in verse 16 that when He could, Jesus took opportunity to slip away by Himself into the wilderness to pray. He retreated to be refreshed and strengthened by His Heavenly Father. Certainly a great example for us continually to seek the Lord's strength through prayer and devotion. But as we think about this this account of healing, what are the, the lessons that we ought to take from this? Well, there are two that I'd like to draw attention to. One is very practical, and one is theologically practical. First, the practical. In this passage, we as as followers of Jesus, both individually and also as a congregation of His people, we ought to be greatly challenged here by the ministry and example that Jesus demonstrates here for us. Jesus was willing to minister with great compassion to those who were truly untouchable, to the extremely needy, to the severely hurting, to the social outcast, to the unwelcome to the unclean and to the unlovely. And the question we need to be asking is, what are we willing to do for the glory of Christ and the spread of the gospel? Who are the needy and the hopeless that God has placed in our lives? And how might we be effective ministers of Christ's compassion to them? Indeed, may the Lord give us the desire and the strength to be faithful with this kind of ministry. But there's another key lesson for, for, for us that is both theological and practical for each and every one of us here. Again, though we're given this account of Jesus healing this leper as a, uh, as a real historical record of something that Jesus actually did, well, this healing is also a picture for us of what Jesus does every day for unworthy, unlovely, untouchable, hopeless, dying sinners, even such as we are. Leprosy is a horrible disease that reminds us of our own sinful condition before God. Leprosy, though the person was living, they they were rotting, they were decaying, death was coming upon them. Well, in sin, though we live physically, Paul says that we are spiritually dead in our sins and our transgressions. Sin is like that leprosy that afflicts us. And what's more, we can't heal ourselves of this this condition. There's no cure and there's no hope for salvation save one. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But the good news is Jesus isn't only able to save you from sure and certain eternal death and and from hopelessness. He is also most 
graciously willing to do so. If you would, even now, humble yourselves before Him and turn from your sins and and in faith cry out and plead for His mercy and grace. Beloved of God, Christ will respond to such a humble plea of faith by showing that He is truly willing. But the real blessing is, is that He's not going to do this by just reaching out this way and touching us. No. He has ultimately done this and showed this great compassion for us when He reached out this way. When He died on the cross to give His life that His blood would be shed for our sins. To show that He was truly willing even to the point of the painful and shameful death of the cross to cleanse us from our sins and to give us that sure and certain hope of eternal life. This is the hope of the Gospel that is offered to you this day. And this is the great hope that we're called to share with all willingness and compassion with those who are hopeless all around us. Beloved of God, may truly the Spirit of the living God be pleased to work this hope not only in you, but through you to the glory of God alone. Let's pray. O gracious God and Heavenly Father, we rejoice and give thanks for Your blessing, for Your Word, for for the hope that You give to us. And Lord, as we consider this account of this man who was truly hopeless, who was an outcast, who was unclean, even from your presence, and yet your son Jesus had mercy upon him and willingly reached out and touched him to not only heal him of his bodily bodily affliction, but to cleanse him so that he can now stand in your presence. And Father, what a glorious picture this is of what You do for us and for others each and every day. That You are willing to touch the hearts and the souls of those who are dead in their sins and transgressions and to make them alive and to cleanse them and to give them new life through the forgiveness of sins. And that You accomplish this through Your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself as that once-for-all sacrifice for our sins, that we can be forgiven, that we can have peace and reconciliation, that we can boldly come into Your presence and plead for Your mercy. Father, we praise You and thank You that You have been so gracious to us, that You have relieved us of such affliction. And that you have given us again that sure and certain hope. And Father, as we look around the world and we see many around us who are without that hope. And we pray that you would help us to be a faithful witness of this hope of the gospel that is offered in Christ Jesus. And that you would challenge us, giving us opportunity to serve you. And to minister the gospel to those who are in truly need. We pray that you would lead us to them, 
that you would give us opportunities, that you would open our eyes to see them around us, that you would give us boldness, that you would give us the words to speak, that they too might be cleansed and made whole by your grace and your mercy, that they too might have this eternal hope as they seek to glorify you in all things. Father, we just pray for your blessing upon these things. And we ask that you would continue to bless your word to us, drawing us all closer to yourself. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.